What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Convincing Creatives Podcast Season 3. Today we have a super exciting episode for you. Today I'm interviewing Kyle Sullivan. Kyle is a Birmingham, Alabama-based filmmaker who also does documentary and narrative work, so we have a lot to chat and relate on there. Um, he's a fellow Nintendo video game fan, which we didn't get a chance to talk about as much on the podcast, but always feel like that's worth mentioning. Uh, we have a very awesome appreciation for the world of Legend of Zelda, which is always super dope. Um, and we talk a lot about him going to Antarctica, working on documentary films, uh, making YouTube videos over on his YouTube channel, which you should definitely go check out, uh, and kind of where that falls in terms of you know YouTube film versus a film festival film, and kind of is there a difference in today's day and age? I know that YouTube obviously commands a huge audience out there, but how do you get your work seen? So we also talk about that as a creative person, and where do you put your work at the end of the day? Because that's something I always uh, struggle with and consider uh, when I'm trying to launch anything I'm doing. So really super cool conversation out there. Kyle also is the host of the Star Trek trivia show on YouTube, Trekspertise, so you should go check that out. And it was really awesome to chat with him about his love for science fiction as well. So without any further ado, we'll jump in the episode. But first, gotta plug my latest project. It's called Panda Barrett. You should watch it. It's a film. It's 63 minutes long, so it won't take up too much of your day. Uh, and it's over on Tubi for free. Yes, free 99, free. So you can go stream it and uh, let me know if you loved it or not. Uh, but at least it won't cost you anything. Just watch like three or four ads. So it's pretty cool. Glad we got that there. And if you want to rent or buy the film, it is also on Amazon. So I just wanted to let you know that. Without any further ado, now let's jump right into the interview with Kyle Sullivan. <laughs> Today we have Kyle Sullivan on the show. Kyle, welcome. Hello. Thank you for being here. Um, Kyle, for folks who don't know who you are, what you're doing, obviously we'll get into all that, but uh, could you just describe yourself uh, as you see your creative journey unfolding currently? I am a filmmaker. Uh, I'd yeah. say so. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a couple of your films, so I'd say you're a filmmaker. Uh, I guess that's how it described me. There's a lot of asterisks and yeah. everyone, everyone has asterisks. So I've got a bunch of those. So yeah, everyone uh, is a slash something, you know, you can't always just do one thing these days. Exactly. So yeah, man. Um, well to kick things off, like I know you're doing a couple different things. Obviously you've done filmmaking, but you're also doing some writing and podcasting and stuff like that. How do you balance the variety of projects that you do? Um, do you like to do different things to keep it interesting or like, how do you go about that? uh how do i okay so how do i balance yeah i don't know <laughs> uh normally i'd say you divvy your day or week or mm -hmm. month up so that you're giving attention to every little thing but there's a there's only so much creativity to to go into the different piles so that often yeah. gets rearranged on the fly and as far as like like media hopping i guess like yeah. why the different things it just depends on what you're trying to communicate and what medium is best. You know, that if that makes any kind of sense. 1000%. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, a thousand percent. I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, I do this podcast, you know, I'm a filmmaker as well. And like, for me, it's just a great way to keep a different part of my brain, you know, active and recharge the other one. And, you know, I find sometimes when I do these, obviously it's creative talk. So I get inspired by other people I'm talking to, but it kind of refreshes my love for filmmaking. And like, you know, I also play drums and that, you know, is another outlet. And so I think it's always nice when creative people are able to balance things and do different things in different mediums and ETC. So, yeah, 
I mean, it, it, the, the balance is the struggle, right? So yeah. like everyone wants to be pie in the sky. I want to direct movies. I want to do X. I want to do Y. And it's really a matter of your ground game is how well can you organize your time so that you can take incremental steps toward the goal. And like, it's so hard because like creativity is not something you can turn on and off. Sometimes it's no. a bolt of lightning inspiration. Most of the time it's a hard slog that you can't, it's a maze. You can't find your way through and like, 30 minutes, I'm going to do X to get out of this maze. One hour, I'm going to do X to get out of this maze. And, and like, sometimes you sit down with that hour and you're like, there's nothing, there's yeah. nothing here. And yeah. is that time management? I don't know. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't feel like it is at all. It's it's creative chaos, I find a lot of times. Like when I first get an idea for something, I'll, I'll say, oh, that would be an amazing film. Then I sit with it a little bit and I'm like, I don't know, there's enough there for a full film, maybe a YouTube video. And then maybe it's a podcast. And then you kind of just have to whittle it down to different things, um, which is actually a good transition question because I know that you have a YouTube channel. I've seen a couple of your videos. I really enjoyed your series in Antarctica. Um, obviously would love to chat with you about that as well. But like in terms of just like strictly creating youtube videos like where does that differ from you know your more traditional films that would play at a festival or something like that i think that maybe back in the day prior to youtube it wouldn't have been that different mm -hmm. uh but also the medium being what it is with youtube being what it is it, it has become a much bigger difference mm. Um, deciding what to put where is interesting. I'm, I'm literally having this conversation with myself. I just got done with the Sidewalk Film Festival in Birmingham, Alabama. And Love Sidewalk. Sidewalk is yeah. uh, my favorite. Uh, we had our short film, Garden of the Gods, play there. It was a Edgar Allan Poe remake. So like, it's a very narrative-rich kind of thing. And oftentimes, that's not, in my experience what youtube is good at there's a lot of short films on youtube and there are people doing skits and shorts and narrative things on youtube but oftentimes youtube gets credit for being a different kind of space because people can just they can create quickly but they can also create outside of, of the bounds outside of the box so to speak so that's where the difference just come in like video essays which is uh we have a channel true expertise that's all about video essays that I don't think would have found purchase anywhere in the film festival world. Not really. Mm. Um, it's it was uh, before the internet. It was not something you found a lot of. So like, can you make a video essay? Can you make a YouTube style video and go the festival circuit with it? That's a great question. It depends. I no yeah, I think it depends on what you're doing. Like, but I've found myself lately. I think part of it is because of like COVID. Uh, but I mean, I make. A, it's a movie at the end of the day. It's a, you know, a short documentary or something, but I think to myself, well, you know, I could put this on the festivals and do that rigmarole for a year and then maybe it'll end up on YouTube anyway, or I can just put it on YouTube now and kind of just be done with it. And, you know, I'm not saying one's any better than the other. Cause I, I love film festivals. Like speaking of sidewalk, that is one of my favorite film festivals I've been to. Like I went there in 2018 with a short doc I did called We Live the Blues. And, and I just had such a great time, met so many cool people. And I think that's why we ended up connecting because I met Jeremy Burgess down there in oh. Birmingham. Yeah. And so I think I've seen some of his uh, tweets and I think that's how I found you on Twitter. And, uh, you know, it's it's been just really cool, like the amount of people I've met through that one time going. So it's it's a great fest. And so, again, that's the, the beauty of festivals is the community that you're just, you know, not always going to get on YouTube unless you're a larger channel. So exactly. Yeah. I think as a filmmaker, the the decision to go one way or the other with something really comes down to what you need to get out of it. Like, yeah, 
if if networking is something you need to do or if you're actually if you have a film you're trying to sell for example yeah you're not going to do that on youtube you can no <laughs> but it's much more rewarding and it's much mm -hmm. it's much better an experience to be to do that in person if you just want to put something in front of an audience and see what they do man no better invention than the youtubes yeah like instant gratification instant feedback oh is this decision good no thanks yeah <laughs> <It's> <laughs> i appreciate it it's awesome that you can just get like instant feedback in that way because people on youtube for better or worse they will let you know if they're feeling it if they're not feeling it you know it's just the way the internet algorithm uh just works these days but no it's really interesting like i i always find myself thinking now is this a youtube video um because during COVID, i really like revamped my youtube channel and so it's been an interesting like experiment to see what works where um and you know i've put some of my bigger projects eventually on YouTube, like once they run their course at the festivals and ETC. But, you know, I find it's almost two separate styles and, and obviously like podcasting too. What, where are you seeing that going? Because I know you're, you're hosting on two different podcasts and doing different things with your Star Trek series on YouTube. And, um, I don't, podcasting is a funny thing. Cause like it's it, for, for the world at large, it's a way to get your voice out there whatever yeah. topic you're about and however that happens like most of the time it's just like two dudes talking yep. um for me podcasting is all about cinematic sound design so like yeah the reason i wanted to get into that was so that i could paint narrative pictures with sound and i wanted to yeah. learn more about that and so maybe mine is in the representative case and i'm not sure if podcasting is going in that direction generally i don't know yeah i mean it, it definitely depends like I'm a big fan of both styles. Like, I mean, you know, interview based is fun, but it's, it's very simple. It just depends what you need to get out of it. But, but I find sometimes when I have that hunger for something a little more story wise, narrative based, I, I will go to the sound design type of, you know, podcast and, and they're beautiful because they're essentially a documentary minus the, you know, visuals. So. Yeah, exactly. Those, those are my favorite. I'm a yeah. huge fan of like radio lab and yeah. uh, what's the name of that? series that that amazon put out that was based on a podcast that had uh, uh julia roberts in it oh i think i know what you're talking about but i can't it is escaping me as home, well home something it's a very generic okay. name okay anyway it, it's podcast predecessor is super rich super right. clever writing i'm just like yeah more of this please yeah but every now and then you know i just got to listen to an interview because i yeah you to survive yeah yeah no it's I, I get obviously the reason i do this but it's uh it helps it like keeps me going when i have the creative doubts and struggles and things like that um speaking of which i'm very curious i know you're also a fellow lover of space and geography and things like that um can you talk about maybe how that keeps your brain creative because you know i find myself a lot of times going down weird rabbit holes about you know exoplanets and weird things like that <laughs> and you know I, I before i know it three hours have gone by and i'm like oh i got way off topic i need to get back to my edit <laughs> so. I, I think that's exactly it uh a lot of filmmakers will focus only on um craft and gear yeah and that's good you need to know those things but i think in order to be a, a successful filmmaker at whatever level of success you got to fill your brain with something else something yeah. far beyond the artistic expression otherwise you're not gonna have anything to talk about so like reading, falling down rabbit holes, spending hours on Wikipedia, getting an expertise in exoplanets, man, <laughs> you, you don't know how that's going to inform you, but it will inform you whatever you choose to express. 
Yeah. No, I think it's I think an it's interesting, extremely important. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Like it's, it's so fun. And like, I think it's an interesting meld of like art and science, left and right brain, just things that, you know, make you a whole person, like you said, to give you a perspective and things to talk about as an artist and a filmmaker. Um, and, you know, I think again, and it does connect because like, I see you also love science fiction. Like what, what do you get out of that? Cause I find science fiction, one of my favorite genres, but you know, it, the independent level, a lot of the films I've done, especially like outside of the, you know, New York, LA, Hollywood kind of industry system, they tend to be a lot more documentary and like kind of, you know, low budget drama comedy, but you know, I still love science fiction. Like how do you kind of uh, balance that as a filmmaker who loves that kind of thing? As far as like watching or creating? Just both, like kind of taking it in and also maybe like, do you ever have the desire to make it? Because that's a hard genre to make a lot of times if you don't have, you know, budget and effects. My my wife and I, that's all we want to do is science yeah. fiction movies. Yeah. If we could give it all the rest of it up <laughs> to do that, we yeah. would. So in my opinion, we're building toward that. But you're yeah. right. There's a to, to express your imagination in that realm, you have to be yeah. very clever or very rich. Right. And... um I'm not sure. I think we're leaning on clever, hopefully. Yeah. It's usually the better way to lean, I think, sometimes. So, yeah. Uh, you know, just be smart about it. Um, I, I think sci fi is a conversation worth having in that we, we're not having it the right way right now as a culture. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of the like interesting sci fi, like novels and books and shows, they'll tell those stories uh, about stuff that we're dealing with here on Earth on different planets and different places. And you're like, there, there's the parallel. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the magic of it. Honestly. I mean, it, yeah. all science fiction, all stories really, but sci-fi seems the most distant, but it's really, we're just talking about ourselves. That's yeah. all it is. Cause it's all we know. I mentioned it earlier, but I want to loop back around to Antarctica. Cause I just think that's super interesting. Can you tell me about that experience? I mean, you know, that's obviously not something you get to do every day. Um, how do I describe it? I mean, it's it, it's the closest I've ever got gotten to visiting another planet. It's yeah. so starkly different. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, man. It, it, you know, as I'm a U.S. citizen, I'm an American. Antarctica makes our national park system look like a series of slums. It's, it's so pristine and absolutely natural and will absolutely kill you at a moment's notice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how to, how to describe it exactly except in superlatives you know yeah yeah well i mean do you feel like after going you don't see you know when I mean, you mentioned it with the national park see some things the same way just because you you've been somewhere like that yeah it completely changes you it, it uh it, in terms of like understanding and caring for the environment for example i was already predisposed before yeah. i left to, to be sensitive to this issue just being in the nature that i'm in but when you go to a place that fragile and you can see in person with your own eyes how fragile it is you come back like almost a radical you're like this can't stand right. we can't let this continue and just in terms of like the scale of the planet how big the planet is like we we in north america zip around really quickly between cities and cars and airplanes and stuff and three hours to dallas two hours to atlanta uh four hours to seattle like it feels like we're continent hopping but you get down to a place like antarctica and you're like i can't i can't go 16 feet because there's a sudden blizzard or it, it just radically changes your sense of scale you, the planet feels so much bigger to me now than it did before and i didn't realize i thought it was small before 
that's the thing. I'd say the takeaway for Antarctica is that you don't, it's going to open your eyes, but you have no idea to what. You, I'm still kind of processing that. And it's been a, a few years now, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, wow, I used to think this way. No, I don't. Yeah. No, that's, that's fascinating. And I, I think like, uh, I don't know about you, but as someone growing up, I always loved like maps and atlases and globes. I would just like look at them for ages and, you know, just see where things are in relation to other things. And uh, I have never been to Antarctica, but I could only imagine that that sounds super fascinating. Like just knowing you can't go, but so far because, you know, there's not a road or there's not an airport or there's just a blizzard coming through that you could not survive as a human. Like that, that changes the game. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Uh, I, I hesitate to tell everyone to go down there, but if you get a chance, you should yeah. 100% go. Even if it's just to the Antarctic Peninsula, because uh, yeah. even there, it's like... Yeah. How did you How did you end up going? Was it to make those videos? Um, and like, how did the filmmaking logistics go as well in such a cold, harsh climate? I, uh, oh, well, yeah. I, um, I won an online contest. Cool. So like, I just applied and got yeah. it. And one of the part of my pitch, I had to have people publicly vote on me was that I would turn it into a series of videos. And yeah. I think that moved the needle. And so it was completely luck. And I turned it into work, so to speak. And I got uh, companies to lend me gear, uh, lenses and camera gear and stuff like that. And uh, dealing with the cold and the salt water and the logistics of having everything be as handheld as possible and still be cinematic looking uh, was a real challenge. And if the BBC regularly shoots documentaries in that part of the world, they always hire the same people because once you figure out how to do it, once you sink the cost into doing that kind of filmmaking, like they're going to keep coming back to you. Um, but I found I had a lot of problems, man. The cold absolutely will kill a battery real quick. So you have to do mm. a lot of padding and keeping things warm. And I discovered that the black magic cameras back then, the cinema cameras absolute tanks like hmm. you could kick those things across the ice and they will absolutely keep shooting and i, I was amazed at how uh, strong those cameras were um but yeah it's a different thing it's not like setting up a shot for a narrative at all at all no. you know the no. nature the nature people they have a really tough job and if you're in an extreme environment like that i those that's some of the hardiest filmmakers on the planet in my opinion the rest of us who get to edit in air conditioning have nothing to complain yeah. about. <laughs> well, and that's interesting too, just about the logistics of the battery. Um, like I have the black magic pocket 4k that I just shot my last um, feature with. And I mean, that thing ate a battery every 15 minutes and that's, you know, here in 80, 90 degree North Carolina weather, I can't imagine the flip of that. Like you would think, Oh, cool environment. Maybe it would lend itself to the battery, but that's not, it's not even cool. That's like frigid. Yeah. Like our brains in the U S probably can't even comprehend that temperature. I, I remember specifically one instance with some, there were penguins yeah. I was on, on land and I had camera backup battery. Uh, so the, the internal battery had gone the backup battery. I had four of them and I was switching them every two minutes. I got maybe 10 minutes worth of footage before everything shut down. It was like negative 20 Fahrenheit or something Ugh, crazy like that. Yeah. I'm wearing like 70 layers of clothes. I can barely move. And like, it just would just eat these fully charged batteries for breakfast. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need a lot of money to be able to just shoot regular down here. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not to mention you're probably wearing like gloves on gloves and then you have to i don't know about the one you use but i know the one i use as a touchscreen and that's finicky with gloves and just like so many small logistics you know 
and, and by the time you're trying to get your penguin, it may have already walked away. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Footage turned out great, but you know, yeah, it's like uh, storming the beach. Like you just get it, do it all at once, and then that's it. Enjoy nature yeah. after that. Yeah. But thankfully, it wasn't all like that. So yeah, no, that's good. And you, you did capture some beautiful footage. Oh, so thanks. I thought really it turned nice. out okay. Yeah, no, I enjoyed watching the uh, episodes. Um, speaking of filmmaking, you mentioned like it's different than narrative. Um, you seem to as well be a fellow filmmaker that does not just documentary, but narrative as well. And and how do you balance that? Because like, I always find for myself, I, I think like I shoot, you know, my last feature, Panda Barrett, it's this weird narrative about like a rapper and his imaginary Panda Bear. It's like surreal drama and just crazy, trippy fun, super different. And then the, you know, documentary I did before that was like a, a heartfelt look at flooding um, in Baton Rouge and from the 2016 floods when I lived down there. And, uh, you know, it was just total flip opposite, but I kind of needed to bounce back and forth and like you know people ask do you have a favorite and I, and I really don't like I love both they're very different um but I also don't meet a lot of people who do both as well so I, like I'm curious to get your take on that I I think I, I also love both uh and I'm a real softy I, I love a good romantic comedy for example too yeah, yeah which yeah. is a, a film we're trying to make right now fun so I don't know how else to describe it except it's just it's just interest-based yeah my friend Ryan is fond of saying that filmmakers tend to try and make the same film over and over. Mm. That might that might be true of someone like Quentin Tarantino or something yeah. like that, but I don't feel that way at all. I feel like I had this thought, this germ of interest, and whatever whatever emotional context is embedded in that determines where it lives like does this need to be a documentary do i need to dramatize this real life event or do i need to couch it in like a science fiction metaphor right. or do i just need to go to youtube and talk for 10 minutes you know yeah yeah it just it just depends on what expression is warranted i think with youtube and tiktok i feel like the pressure is off you can play very quickly and easily in other spaces and, and figure them out for yourself and see what's working in a much more general robust way than filmmakers past could do it yeah costs no, so much money to do a thing you know no that's that's <clears> a great way to put it like it's a space where you can really play and the um pressure you know it's not really quite there on a tiktok video or a youtube video obviously you know you still want it to look good you've got your skill set as a filmmaker but you know i i definitely agree with that like i i remember a couple of years ago i made a video on youtube about play and why that's important as a creative and, and the genesis of that was i was like uh, getting together with a friend and I was talking about just feeling stuck on a project and it just didn't feel like, I don't know, I just didn't feel the, the push for this particular project. And he was like, well, are you, are you playing? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you know, and, and I had just gotten so into this mode of just like making stuff, uh, which is good, you know, in a way, cause that's a skill set to keep moving and having momentum, but I wasn't like experimenting with my camera. I wasn't really trying new things. I was kind of, like you said, doing that same old thing and it kind of inspired me to mix it up. So I feel like, yeah, you, you do have to keep yourself playing on your uh, cinematic palette, no matter how many films you've made. Exactly. I think it keeps you honest when you're uh, yeah. doing, doing the really big stuff, the big jobs, you know, it's like, Absolutely. Well, you're fretting over the next shot. Well, what yeah. did I do for that stupid YouTube video six months ago? Right. I'll right. just put myself in that mode. Yeah. Yeah. I've started a YouTube video I'm working on, which is literally about trees. And it's just like why I love trees. And, and it's so stupid. Like it's, I love trees because for some reason they make my brain feel good. But like the more I'm diving into it, like 
the more fun I'm having with it. And, you know, I don't think it's something I would send to a festival, but I don't know. It's like just a great ex- exploration. Like, uh, first of all, hell yes. Tree- <laughs> trees are cool and yes. awesome. And you should absolutely make a video about them. Now I want to watch it. Okay, cool. I'll send it uh, to you if I ever get it done. So uh, <laughs> I'm hoping I will. Also, the thing I'm finding now with the YouTube stuff is that people are hiring me because of how weird it is. Yeah. And like, I'm, I have a client right now with a very serious company who needs a very serious corporate video that I'm putting together. And he's like, make it more like your YouTube stuff. I'm like, dude, the tone will not that. match. I love and, that. And, and I find that more people are asking me for yeah. that. I'm just like, I was just goofing off over yeah. there. Yeah. No, I, I think there is something there to that style because, well, and it's not even a style. It's just people playing like experimenting not having the constriction because obviously like you know i shoot corporate videos that's how i make a living and you know commercial videos and stuff like that and you know it's very easy to just do a sit down talking head and shoot some b-roll of a person doing a thing and call it a day and like you know there's nothing wrong with that it works you can sometimes get really cool stuff from that but um how do do you push yourself to kind of break those boxes like because i think that's hard that is hard. I, I'm, I'm struggling that with that really hard right now, actually, because yes, I do want to kick down the door and just make whatever's on the inside of my brain. Just, just do what I do on YouTube is like, just be stupid, put it in a garbage disposal, blend it up and throw it in the edit and see what happens. But at the same time, I also want to get hired again. Yeah. <laughs> so like that is I, a factor. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to get too crazy and trying to find a balance between stuff the style of it is something I'm banging my head against the desk about right now. I'm not sure how you do that. So speaking of filmmaking, I've had a couple filmmakers on this season. Do you see the democratization of filmmaking as a good thing? You know, obviously it's making more people able to make films, uh, but sometimes it makes it feel like it's harder because, you know, just everyone's doing it. There's so many voices out there. Um, And then how does that also factor into just like working outside of that, you know, New York, LA system? Uh, yes, it's a good thing. Yes, it makes it more difficult to stand out. But the solution to standing out is really easy. Don't, don't pull your influences from where everyone else is pulling their influences from. Right now, I'm part of a whole generation of filmmakers that grew up on Spielberg. And everybody wants a taste of that. Still, yeah. even I do. Like, I would love to make an E.T., or yeah. something like that. That sounds perfect. I'd, I'd yeah. retire after that. But I think you won't be able to stand out. Your style, whatever it turns out to be, won't won't stand out. So I think part and parcel with this democratization of filmmaking gear, in order to make your presence known, you're going to have to fill your head with something else. The rarer the knowledge you put inside your head, the cooler or the more different your artistic output is going to be. And like I said, I'm part of a generation that grew up on blockbuster Hollywood fair and competing when everyone else else has the same influences. That's what's hard. Yes. Yeah. I think too, I, I look at the the types of films that, you know, you and I make and other people who work as indie filmmakers, I, they're sort of their own thing. I mean, yes, they're still films, but you know, I don't know that it's entirely the same thing as like, you know, the newest fast and furious movie, which again, nothing wrong with that. Those, those films are self-aware and they know what they are doing. And like, you know, I'm not going to hate on that, but you know, I think it's just sort of like, they're both films, but there's an apples oranges kind of situation too. Like, yeah, exactly. They are. And, and if that's the space you want to play in, then yeah, go play in it. Absolutely. And believe me, I would love to, 
Yeah, um, I'd love to make a freaking uh, Mandalorian episode. I mean, I love Star Wars. I mean, you know, give me the Baby Yoda animatronic puppet. I will, I will <laughs> put it to work. You know, 100%. so you know, while, while I wait, for, but like while I wait for my phone to ring on that situation, like you know, I'm like, oh, I got to be making some other stuff, and like, I know for me, like, I don't. I mean, I'm sure you've had everyone has had a experience with you know the lockdown and COVID and like how you've reassessed things afterwards but I know for me like that's part of why I'm making my stupid little video film about trees is like I don't know that I would have done that pre-pandemic is because I would have taken what I was doing maybe not too seriously because I've never taken it that seriously but just I would have said oh you know this couldn't play festivals this would just be me goofing off but now I'm putting a lot of value in me goofing off like I think that's where I'm starting to you know see that 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 year of like being stuck in your head um you know it makes me just you know see things a little differently it makes me see that you know maybe film festivals aren't always a guarantee because they really were not a guarantee in 2020 and so you don't need to put so much stock in them and you know they're still great i'm not knocking them but you know it's it's an interesting parallel i think yeah exactly uh yeah i mean you know the film festival question is changes every a little bit every year i don't know i don't know what to do about that but you know the i think to to cap on the democratization thing i think that the chief component right now if you're a studio or an independent or just a freelancer out in the southeast somewhere is that it's come down it comes down to content where before they could overwhelm me with scale the scale doesn't matter anymore it has to be good whatever it is and everything else follows that and i think even the studios are learning right now there i mean it's real blockbuster fatigue going on even with the marvel stuff and i think that the pivot to to Mandalorian, for example, really excellent, but also they see the writing on the wall, you know, lead with the content, not the form factor. And maybe that's part of the future of this democratization. Maybe. Yeah, no, I could see that. Um, now, now tell me, what do you love about making films? Uh, you know, for you in Birmingham, for me, it's North Carolina. Like, what do you love about making films in your region? <sighs> How long a podcast do you have? <laughs> hey, let's let's chat about it. Um, I know it's hard because you're not always around, you know, the the quote unquote industry. But you know, for me, I find this strange magic and freedom uh, in collaborating with you know four people on a weekend after our jobs and like just making something weird happen. And you know, I don't know. I feel like you can't. You, I guess you could do that in other places, but I don't know. I just feel like there's a weird charm to that. You can, but I think that's the charm, whatever your region is, is that yeah. everyone, like everyone in the Southeast right now um, that is doing this full-time or otherwise, it's, it comes down to passion. And a lot of times when you go to New York yep. or LA, I mean, you, you arrive in those spaces because of that, but you, you become a cog in a, an established industry here, out here in flyover country, whatever you want to call it there's no cogs that's been established yet. We're wearing a lot of different hats when we show up on productions and we have expertise in very different areas where in New York or LA, you could literally do the same job for 30 years, even now. And I think that that's the best thing in the universe because when you're on one set and people you're meeting or people you've worked with before from your area are in that set. And then the next set, it's almost the same cast of characters, but like everyone's doing different jobs. I think that, I think it leads to a much, it's more like a, instead of a job, it's more like mm-hmm. a summer camp. Yes. I think that's actually a really good way to put it because 
like with with my movies i'm usually losing money and i'm not you know afraid to admit that like i think that's pretty commonplace but you know i still get up the next day and do it again and write another kooky script maybe with a panda bear like i did and then do it again (laughs) and like and i'm sure i'll you know cook up something else down the road and like there's some strange magic to that and like you know sometimes i'm working with non-actors sometimes i'm working with actors who've been acting for 30 plus years you know it's an interesting region to make stuff and um you know, I, I, I enjoy doing it because I think people almost don't expect it to happen. They're like, oh, I don't know that you could. I didn't know you could do that. And I'm like, if you like sweating in North Carolina heat and making, uh, you know, just eating pizza for five days straight, you, you can do it, too. <laughs> like, you know. It's like heaven. <laughs> it is. It's like a we. I think the summer camp analogy is great. Like, you know, obviously, I, I respect the fact that there are people who do this professionally. You know, I do it to make a living as well, not always in my own films, but in other people's and, you know, commercial stuff. And like, you know, it's important to be professional, but at the same time, I think there is, like you said, a passion and love for the craft that you're just maybe sometimes not going to find as much in the places where people just show up and they're saying, all right, when do we go home looking at the watch? And yeah. You know. Yeah. And I've been on a few of those sets. Believe me, they're torturous. So. <laughs> I have too. The, there was about a year where I did almost exclusively those types of sets. Um, and, and I was, miserable and and you know i wasn't doing anything for myself and there that was a spell where i was like well you know i graduated from film school i'm gonna do the thing that everyone's supposed to do and i immediately regretted that decision and just started making my own stuff here and uh you know i'm not gonna say it's been the best easiest road to getting it seen but i think creative fulfilling wise i think it, it has set me down a path where i'm excited to see you know how i grow as an artist and i'm and i'm you know sure you feel the same way with what you're doing oh yeah yeah I, I think having your own space to create is part of the key to surviving this industry. Because if you're doing someone else, I mean, it depends. I mean, if you're above the line or a production designer or something like that, you're you're getting a creative input somewhere and maybe that's enough. And some people really can flourish in those environments. But if you show up and you're carrying sandbags every day for a year uh, for somebody else and you have no control or input or anything except how to drape it onto the C-stand leg, then... I imagine this is a weird, miserable industry, and um, for some people it, it is, man. I see a lot, a lot of burnout, and I think it's important to have your corner. I need to go work on this stuff. I need you to help me. I can help you, you know. Get in there and get weird. Do the, add a panda bear to your script, which sounds <laughs> awesome. I mean, I'll send you the movie if you have 60 minutes. So. <laughs> Please, I want to watch it. Anything with a panda bear as a character has already got yeah. my attention. Cool. It's it's it, a mascot costume, so it's even weirder. It <laughs> it, it is li- the costume is literally uh, as cheap as we could afford, so it's falling apart. But I think it adds to the charm of the weirdness. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. Um, so speaking of burnout, not to bring the tone down and depressing, but just how do you deal with that? Because I, I've hit different spells of burnout if I'm being honest. And, um, you know, some have been harder than others. Like some, I can really shake myself out of with a good movie. Others really seem to like, you know, kind of be something I'm carrying around like a bowling ball in a bag. Um, it is very real. It is the worst thing about this profession because the hours can be long and amorphous. Like all the, the kind of work you do creatively is really amorphous. The thing I try to do is, uh, I don't know how to describe I'm always reading a book. Like at night I have my reading time. It is not about filmmaking. It's about all the other topics in the world. So 
that gives me enough juice sometimes. Uh, watching movies definitely helps, but a lot of times I need to put my creative space in, in a place where I'm not in charge of the creative space. Yeah. And I think that that helps, you know, go live in someone else's idea for a minute, especially writing for me, because it's a long, slow move through their creative space. And then you just go to some, visit some other imagination, visit some other creative space for a while. When you, when you come back out of that, things are going to feel different. It's a bit like going on vacation. You know, you, if you're out for two weeks somewhere and you come back home, home is a little bit different than when you left it mentally, not physically, but like that helps. Take a break, check out. Uh, if you got to step away from the industry, then, and I've seen this dozens of times, people go out for six months or a year and then they get back into it and they're like, oh yeah, I feel much better. It's like, yeah, you needed some time, buddy. That's usually what it is. So like maybe the most important thing to schedule is on the regular that time. So you're mm -hmm. not even going to flirt with the burnout, you know? Yeah, no, that's great advice. I, I love, yeah, reading. I, I obviously like everyone, I wish I did it more, but you know, anytime I really sit down and I read, like I was reading the other night and I, I got lost in the book for like three hours. And when I came out of the book, I literally felt like I just had like a massage or something. <laughs> like That's exactly it. it. It didn't matter if you're an accountant or yeah. some other job, like you need to step away and like, Creating movies is one of the hardest things to do in this culture professionally because it's it's money, it's time, it's collaboration. It's so hard to move the ball down the field. You you need to structure some time for yourself somewhere so you can check out because uh, otherwise the burnout's just going to happen faster. I think. Yeah, well, and I think the collaboration and the money and all that, like um, the collaboration specifically, I think is the best and sometimes also most challenging part of filmmaking because sometimes. I don't know if you feel this way, I, I get almost like jealous. I'm like, oh, if I was a painter, I could just sit in this room and I could paint to my heart's content and that's yes. the art. And then I'm and then I'm done. I don't have to, I mean, you know, obviously you have to get it out there, but you know, that process can be in the room. Like It's different. It's like, if you sit down to write a book, which I've thought about in painting, which I've, I've very much thought about, you don't have the sound guy telling you, he's like, no, 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 do it this way. Yeah. The guy, I'm, I'm, you know, that- and <laughs> Or it's, an airplane it's, flying over oh and God. ruining your, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to badmouth those positions because sure. yeah. film is a collaborative support. You Absolutely. Need you can't do, you do that by yourself. I don't believe in the Artur thing. But if you're a painter, then yeah, that's exactly how it works. Yeah. You know, it's just you and the paintbrushes, so to speak. So yeah, I, I do sometimes. But the collaboration is the most rewarding part. It is also hard to wrangle. So it is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I always you know, when I finish a film, I'm always on a high, I'm always feeling great. I'm like, we did it. I feel like we defied logic. Like logic says that should not have happened. Like somehow we pulled it off. Um, we're all a little sleep deprived, over caffeinated, but you know, it, it did happen and, it, and it's beautiful. Um, but you know, sometimes too, I think that's where it's interesting to like, you know, do this podcast or, you know, read, or, you know, I've also thought about writing a book and like, you know, that's the type of thing where, you know, I think it's okay to be a filmmaker slash like if you need to do another thing for a minute or, or, you know, work your schedule where you're doing filmmaking three days a week and writing two days a week and then taking, you know, two more days off or is that seven days? Math is not my strongest suit. So, <laughs> you know, but yeah, like that whole situation, um, I think it's important and, you know, I think it's, it's necessary, like as creative people to just keep our, our brains sane, you know? So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, man, thank you. I really appreciate this. I uh, appreciate your time and, and joining me on the podcast um, to kind of land the plane. This is 
my final question I ask everyone, uh, what advice would you give to someone wanting to motivate themselves to be creative, do this crazy creative thing that we do? Um, and how do you convince yourself to be creative at the end of the day? Um, it's a fun question. <laughs> pick up the tool of your medium and play. Uh, don't worry about what other people will think. Most of the time, they're not going to think anything. Just do it for yourself and play in the medium. If it's a, if a filmmaking, pick, a, pick up a camera and go crazy. With YouTube and especially TikTok, I'm goofing off on TikTok now, I'm trying to figure that out. You have no excuse not to play and figure out where your strengths are, if this, if this is something you're going to be good at, or just how the mechanics of it works. It's easier now than ever. Um, what was your second question? What was the second half of that question? How, how do you convince yourself to be creative at the end of the day? It's a compulsion, man. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was always the kid in elementary school that would check out animal books from the library. And then like, I'd Same. Read all, yes. all about elephants. And then I would tell people for a week, did you know they're called pachyderms? Did you know their trunk <laughs> is a nose? And um, I have the same problem, except now it's been more adult sculpted and sophisticated where I want to have a conversation with the planet about X or Y. Right. And that really to me is what filmmaking is. It's a conversation with an audience. What am I trying to say? What are we trying to say? And I just feel compelled to do that. And I don't need a lot of motivation. I do need things to get easier. <laughs> Cor corporate videos and the stuff yeah. you got to do to survive that managing all that is why this is a professional thing and not just goofing off all the time is right and and figuring out that that's how you motivate yourself in my opinion because like if i had a million dollars and no barriers buddy i'd be pumping stuff out left and right like all about elephant noses and manatees and yes uh, stories from ancient mexico or something like that yeah yeah, I, I would I would be flying to you know wherever the closest giraffe was and making a video. Giraffes are like one of my favorite animals on the planet, just because they're so weird. They should not exist. They don't make sense. But they're so bizarre. Yeah, no one should yeah. get to that top of shelf. Yes, it's, it's unnatural. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It, it defies logic, but that's why it catches my my attention span. Um, but dude, no, this was an awesome episode. Thank you for taking part, Kyle. Where can um, folks keep up with you if they want to see your films and keep up with what you're doing? Um, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. To find me, I am on most social media platforms under Neo Teotihuacan, N-E-O-T-E-O-T-I-H-U-A-C-A-N. Feel free to rewind and listen to that again. Um, but you can also find me at screendoorpictures.com, I guess, and trexpertise.com. I live there. Um, but yeah, you can find me in any of, the, any of those areas. Perfect. Perfect. We all go check out Kyle's stuff. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to keep up with what we're doing, we have new episodes coming out for the rest of the season. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes, subscribe to us on YouTube, all that good stuff, convincingcreatives.com. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Take care.